welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Knock a Few Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, and the Wizards Hoops Analyst, plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and the Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham. In here with me tonight, Dan Kalinsky, Amadou So. Dan, Amadou, how are we doing? I'm doing great, man. You know, Cavs are winning. It's fun. How could you not be great? I mean, Dan doesn't want to admit it, but the Cavaliers are on a streak. They are on a winning streak. A two-game winning streak. Dan, you have to be feeling great tonight. How are you doing? You know, just, uh, yeah, feeling great. No uh, no complaints, I guess. But to me, the streak is, it, it, you got to get to three wins for it to be a streak. That's all. Oh, it's a streak. Don't worry about it. Uh, the Cavaliers have beat the Hawks. 112 to 111. They've beat the Rockets tonight, 112 to 96. They are rolling after straight after snapping that uh, 10 game losing streak. I thought they looked really, really good in both these games. Uh, in fairness, the Hawks looked a little bit rough in the first game, but I mean, still to, to, to squeak that out at the end. Uh, a comfortable win, which is kind of uh, Justin Rowan on Twitter had kind of tweeted it out a foreign concept to this team, winning a game comfortably and not having to sweat over it at the end or just getting blown out and having to deal with it that way. So we're in a good space with the Cavaliers right now. Um, you can just kind of get into the individual performances. Uh, I'll talk about Dean Wade to start. Uh, Dean Wade, who has, again, kind of been out of the rotation for this team. Uh, there's been talk, you know, throughout this this stretch of how the Cavaliers don't really have a power forward uh, with Larry Nance, Kevin Love out, Tarian Prince out. Um, Dean Wade got the start, and I thought he played well in both of these games. Uh, in the first had, like I said, he, I mean, he, he had five points, two rebounds, two assists, uh, made a three, shot well from the field, shot 67% to a three. Uh, tonight came in, had 20 minutes, made all four of his shots, all both of his threes, six rebounds, a couple of assists. Um, 
overall, the Cavaliers, especially against this Rockets team, had some soft interior defense. But overall, I think he continues to look at least respectable on that end as well. Um, Amadou, I, I think it was kind of a surprise to everybody to see Dean Wade come out of nowhere, you know, and kind of come from not playing to jumping into a starting role. Did you like the decision? I, I don't see how you can't, but did you like the decision? And yeah, how do you think he's been mm-hmm. looking? I actually did like the decision um, to start Dean Wade. I mean, we tried, you know, Torian Prince. We tried Jetty Osman. We even tried the big lineups, you know, sometimes Jared Allen and Andre Drummond, he was playing. And they just never really seemed to work. I like, you know, the Cavs looking for something new, and I think it was definitely needed, you know, considering we were on a 10-game losing streak. Um, change, you know, just has to happen to get out that funk, and that's what happened. Um, Dean Wade started, um, gave us an actual floor spacer. I mean, obviously guys like Jetty Osmond and Torian Prince, they can knock down the open three, but Jetty Osmond, I think he's down this yard to, what, 33% maybe? Right uh, Torian Prince, yeah, Torian Prince is really like a knockdown type of guy. Dean Wade, we, we know him as a shooter, so... Um, I like that decision. And I feel like, I don't know if this is just me thinking too much about it, but maybe this is, you know, Jerry Pickerstaff trying to see how the team would would play with a, just a, like a 6'10 floor spacer for when Kevin Love comes back, seeing how him and Jared Allen would kind of mesh together. But um, overall, I like the decision. Like I said, it gave us spacing, um, really opened up the floor for our young guards. And um, Spitzman, these past few games have been great to watch. Uh, quick note on Tarian Prince, we mentioned who has been kind of who was in the starting lineup for a minute there. Uh, he came back from injury tonight. Uh, he had been dealing with an ankle injury. He played eight minutes, shot one for eight from the field, just couldn't get anything to go for him. And then he left the game and didn't return uh, with, I believe it was the same ankle, another injury. So uh, we don't have any updates there on how he's doing. At least I haven't seen any. But uh, it looks like the Cavaliers could continue to be without Tarian Prince after tonight. So having a guy like Dean Wade step up is really, really, really important for this team, especially when the alternative in the starting lineup is Jetty Osman. Uh, Dan, how have you liked these past couple of games? And just how have you liked the offense running? How have you liked the game in general with, with Dean Wade in this starting lineup compared to Jetty? Well, it's just good to see. I think Wade is just a better defender. Uh, he's just got better uh, rotational sense. Uh, seems to um, kind of. I mean, I understand he's not maybe not nearly as fleet of foot as as Osmond in the open floor, but um, just seems to get his use his length better. Um, gets his hands. Uh, high, um, just has active hands, and I, just when he switched out, I mean, you saw him in this game, it, 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 a number of times kind of switched out on John Wall, just um, uses high hands well, and just doesn't give up a ton of ground, And but, but um, yeah, it's, I just think with him, he's, he's not a guy that's going to hunt shots, I mean, Osmond does it a little bit, which I get, I mean, that's kind of what they want him to do to an extent. Um, when he's in that role, but uh, Wade is a very uh, just solid athlete and seems to be playing with some confidence here this year, and um, it's just good to see him out there getting some shots. Yeah, uh, one quick note on uh, Dean Wade as well. The cut-down date for uh, contract guarantees has also come and gone at this point. I believe it was at 5 o'clock today. Uh, the actual guarantee date for contracts is the 27th, but 
players also have to clear waivers. Uh, so with that time being considered today or at the, this point yesterday, if you listen to this on the day that it's going up, Dean Wade's contract is now guaranteed. Uh, he's still on the roster, so he will be getting his full amount for this season. Uh, the next two seasons are still not guaranteed. That won't happen until January 10th of those seasons. But Dean Wade is looking like uh, likely, even if, I mean, maybe he gets involved in trade, even throwing his name out there in that, uh, in all the, the possible drum proposals. But uh, it's looking like Dean Wade is not going to be cut, which is a good thing. I think especially after getting this opportunity and really taking advantage of it, um, it's just, it's been great to see. And I think that he's, he has earned this. So overall, like in these couple of games, I think Jetty Osmond has had his ups and downs as he always does, but you look up and down the roster, like everybody who got in the game, I thought really contributed in a positive way, uh, in, in at least one of these games, Lamar Stevens in the first game, uh, got his 16 minutes, went four or five from the field, including the game winning dunk, uh, I don't even know how that happened on Atlanta's end. Uh, Sexton brought the ball up the floor, gave it off to Lamar Stevens, and he just had a clear path to the rim and took advantage of it. Uh, <laughs> I continue to say the Hawks just botched that game. Um, <clears throat> I believe they had, what, four seconds left? Five seconds left? And Trey Young, instead of shooting the ball with time left on the clock, passes it to Tony Snow in the corner, who by the time he even catches it, the shot clock or the, the, the clock expires on the game and the Cavaliers won. But, um, Dan, what have you seen in Lamar Stevens these past couple of games? I think, I mean, it's clear that he just continues to play with confidence and he just continues to look comfortable on the floor. Uh, there was an instance tonight where he had the ball in the corner uh, pretty wide open and just kind of refused to shoot it. But overall, just the level of comfortability out there and confidence, I think, is as high as it's ever been for him. Yeah, it's just good to see him kind of get to his spots. Uh, has shown finishing ability um, when he kind of just kind of goes and gets occasionally some euros in there. Um, it's just when he's able to move that big frame moving forward, um, that's when he's, he can make things happen. And um, it's just good to see him kind of – be able to assert as well a little bit going to the basket, but um, it, it's it's still we still continue to see flashes of that um, kind of almost like mid post fadeaway type game. He he has that um, feel. I I didn't honestly think that would translate at all coming from Penn State. I just he had it there, but I didn't think at this level um, this soon we that would honestly be the case. But that's been a positive for him. Obviously, we know the guy's not comfortable shooting threes. I get that. Um, it's He's going to have his flaws, but just continues to provide energy, and defensively, he's, he's just it's been an outstanding. I think we're, I mean, we're seeing just the athleticism on display as well. There were a couple dunks in that Atlantic game where he just rose up and like I said, you, you can just tell that like he's just having fun out there now. He's not timid going to the rim, t- driving to the rim. He's had some strong finishes, you know, I think, you know, early in the year when he was first getting playing time, you could just tell that he was just kind of shying away from those opportunities, whereas now he's, he's really embracing it. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I was just going to say it's kind of reminiscent of like a young Larry Nance Jr. to me in a way um, in terms of just kind of just having that kind of almost like boyish energy out there early on. Yeah. 
Amadou, what have you thought of the play of Lamar Stevens these past couple of games? I thought Lamar Stevens has been pretty great for us, honestly. Um, we talked about him early in the year, how he just looked very – he was trying to do too much at times. Um, but obviously the game has slowed down for him, which, I mean, every rookie goes through that. So I'm glad that he's making his progressions and such. Um, he looks to be more than, you know, just an off-ball guy. You know, we see him work in the mid-range at times. Um he looks very comfortable there. Obviously, we see his athleticism. You know, at play, he had a nice chase down block on uh, John Wall today, too. I mean, that was great to see. But defensively, he's providing for us. Offensively, he's providing for us. And, I mean, for an undrafted guy, I mean, you talk about the undrafted rookies this year. I feel like it's him and uh, Jay Sean Tate, the two best ones this year. So, um, we got a good one. We got a good one. Yeah, at 23 years old, I think it's, it's fair to say that he is – I mean, and you, you can expand the young, the quote-unquote young core out as, as many players as you want, but I think it's fair to include him in the future of the team at this point. Like, I think he, he definitely has, like, a defined role on this team heading into the future as far as just a, a the Cavs have found a, a good rotational wing for him. Um, and obviously, I, I don't expect him, they're, they're going to use up, he's on a two-way contract, obviously. I think that this team is going to use up all of his NBA days. Uh, that he gets, and obviously this season they have more just because of the weird COVID season and G League bubble circumstances. They want to have guys on the NBA rosters available more this season. But you got to think, Amadou, that once his his days are up with uh, this team on a two-way contract, I don't think it'll happen until after the trade deadline just because this team wants the flexibility. But it seems yeah. like it's a done deal at this point that he's going to get that contract converted at some point. Mm-hmm. I believe so too. Also, um, and one other thing I want to note, and this is a question for both guys: Does this play make you comfortable with maybe parting ways with a Torian Prince or a Jetty Osmond if a trade, you know, does happen? Dan, I'll let you. I'll let you take that first. I, I'm sorry. Can you say that one more time? I apologize. Yeah, does uh, Lamar Stevens play um, make you comfortable with parting ways with a Jetty Osmond or a Torian Prince if there's a trade out there? for the Cavaliers for them. Yeah. I mean, I, I think with, yeah, I think with either of them, I think um, with Prince, it's, it's hard to see him as, is. I mean, I, I would expect him frankly to be kind of a guy that they could move maybe like during the draft as kind of salary matching type um, in a package involving maybe Kevin Love it, via three-way deal or something. Um, yeah. I, I get what you're getting at there. Um or with Hosman, that's fine just because he's had um, – there's just been like a roller co- coaster ride with him. But I, I just think with um, – between the, those two, I, I would expect it, it could play into Prince more um, just because he's been a little bit banged up. And at least with Jetty, I mean, he's kind of like seemingly like a culture piece too. Um, yeah, I, I'd be fine with that in that sense, but – um, I, I would expect it more so like after the season play into it. I, I wouldn't think that that's nearly play into it, um, I guess, that much. But it, you bring up a, a good point. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Dan. Uh, I'll just say, yes, it makes me more comfortable. Uh, like, like I said, I don't think that either of these guys are going to get dealt, uh, at least not by themselves. If it's part of a, a bigger deal, then, you know, it could obviously happen. But I think that that's kind of still the plan as far as, like, if they were to move on from one of these guys. Uh, obviously, Tarian Prince is making more, and he'll be an expiring next year. But uh, Jetty's still making a fair amount as well to where, you know, he could, you know, shift the math in some trades. 
So, yeah, I think that that's fair to say um, that either of these guys, I, I feel more comfortable for if we had to move off of one of them now, knowing that a guy like Lamar Stevens is there. Uh, I, I don't think that these two, either of them are really viewed as, you know, part of this team's I, I don't want to say they're not part of the team's future, but like they're they're not as prioritized as a guy like Lamar Stevens at this point, if that makes sense. As far as like what they're growing as a team and what you know what what this team could look like in five years, like I think, and obviously you know it's it's still early for Lamar Stevens. And I'm not trying to you know jump to any conclusions there, but I, I feel like they they are more optimistic that you know a guy like Lamar could be on this team than certainly Tarian Prince in five years. And uh, it seems like you know the same could be said for Jetty at this point too. Um, as far as like if we were to just move on from them this trade deadline, I, I'm not sure if Tarian Prince has real value right now, just because again he's been dealing with the ankle injury as well. Uh, he kind of cooled off there before the injury, and with this this new injury coming up as well um, tonight, uh, and we don't know how much time he's going to miss now. And and again like just with, with with the contract as well, you know heading into next season. I think he'll have more value next season as an expiring. Um, I'm still going to be on the train of the Pelicans should trade for Jetty Osmond just because he's a wing shooter and that's exactly what they need and kind of a low usage role next to Zion and, you know, whoever else they have on the floor. But um, I don't expect that to happen. So basically, I, I, I'm with you on this one, Dan. I, I don't expect them to move off of either of them this season unless it's part of a big deal. But it definitely makes me feel better about the, the possibility of doing so. Yeah. I, I think the other thing is with Stevens, I think it's been good to see him. Uh, I don't know. I, I think he's actually fit in. It, it all, like he, I saw it at Penn State, he played a lot at the four. I think it's also, it's almost better for him at the four, actually. I didn't, I wouldn't have thought that, but it, it's almost like I, I don't know, at least defensively in terms of matchups, I'm just way more comfortable than him, like, like his kind of build. Yeah, I mean, um, he's strong enough to guard power forwards. Either of those two, so mm-hmm. um, that that also kind of plays into Amadou's kind of point, too. Especially at a time like this when, again, the team desperately needs somebody to play yeah. power forward for them. Uh, Lamar has been huge, yeah. Totally with you on there. Uh, we'll move on to Dylan Windler. Uh, turned it around shooting-wise in these past couple of games. Uh, has taken, I believe, all of his shots from outside. Uh, he, he got to the line once tonight. Uh, let me double-check. No, he did take one uh, shot inside the arc against Atlanta. But we're going to ignore that shot. We're just going to look at the threes. Five for five against Atlanta. Not Four for four against Houston. Nine for nine from three in these past couple of games. Then I'll, I'll, I'll hand it off to you here. I know we were talking about it a little bit before we came on to record. What's going on with, with Dylan Windler here? How did he find this rhythm? Yeah, I, I think it's just um, some of it's probably just a little bit more feel out there. Um, finally being able to kind of get his legs under him, um, so to speak. And just I, I think a guy like Stevens has kind of given him some, him some energy a little bit. Um, maybe almost like a kind of psyche thing, but I think just kind of how you and me were touching on before this, um, I, he, he talked about it, it, it like in media availability before the game. It, it's, he's a guy that likes to, it kind of gets him in rhythm to be a, an off movement shooter. It just seems as though that the Cavs are having more 
um, man movement off the ball uh, instead of just kind of being a spacer in the corner, which uh, in theory is is what you want him to do um, a lot of the time just because it can open up driving lanes. But for him himself, it's been, I think, better, and we've seen it more prevalent in the last like three to four games where he's actually been able to get it on the move. Um, he's had a, kind of a nice little two-man game um, just kind of via bit – Give and goes occasionally, it seems like, from relocation a little bit with Jared Allen. Um, and I, I just think especially when, like, Larry Nance is able to be back um, seemingly in, like, a month, I think that's really something that he could really uh, kind of get taken off or, I guess, take off in that way, too. Yeah, I think, one, it's just, it's good to see him again taking these shots with confidence. I think that's something that we've kind of just been alluding to with guys like him over this stretch where it really was just kind of miserable for everyone. Um, but yeah, I think we're, we're just finally seeing him play comfortable basketball. <laughs> um, obviously at the beginning of the year, we, we had just kind of mentioned that he, he just seemed kind of like he had the yips. Um, and then over this past, you know, 10, 12 games before these two, it was really just, I mean, in the injuries, I think have a part to play in it. Just because, again, he's he's been asked to do something that isn't the role that he's had success in in the past. And obviously, I mean, the shooting struggles, that's not the only reason. Um, it's it's weird for someone who is as good of a shooter as he is to, to go on that long of a cold stretch. I mean, the guy's a rookie. You're, you're going to go through bumps, and especially in a situation like this and the team that's... The, the team that they've been putting on the floor. But I think Wendler's just been asked to do a little bit more than he's should have been asked to do as of late. Um, again, I think this is a guy who, I mean, like you, like you alluded to, Dan, works well off of movement, works well flying off screens, just constantly staying moving and, and working for those open shots that way. I, I think he's been asked to create on ball more than he should have been in the past, you know, however many games. Uh, and he's just, he has been kind of just, you know, stuck in a corner or whatever. And that's, it just kind of takes him out of his rhythm. And I think obviously we're seeing, and, and this is probably, well, obviously it's not sustainable, uh, shooting hundred percent from three, but I think we're just kind of finally seeing him start to play comfortable basketball. Um, overall, Amadou, I think, in, in, you know, the, the rest of the game is, is still there, but, uh, how has your kind of view of Dylan Windler changed throughout the season as it's gone on. Have you have you grown concerned about his game? And obviously, I think, you know, you have to feel more optimistic over these last couple nights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to say I was ever concerned with his game. I understand he was drafted to be a shooter, but at the same time, like you said, he is a rookie coming off a lower leg injury. You know, um, it was going to take him some time to get back into game shape, you know, get back to himself, the player that he was at Belmont. And you could say, you know, we're, we're starting to see that now. And uh, like Dan pointed out, um, the – system for him or the game plan for him has kind of changed, you know, and even Dan, uh, excuse me, Dylan Wendler talked about this um, in the interview. He talked about how, you know, being like a player where, you know, you're sitting in the corner and you're getting the ball with maybe three, two seconds left and you're having to hoist up a shot. That isn't his game. You know, the game is, his game is, you know, movement, running off screens, you know, where the, the, whoever can find him for a, for a three off movement, I feel like that's him, and um, we've seen that be successful. I feel like throughout the entire season, even during his cold spell, you know, we've seen him hit some tough, tough shots off ball, you know, behind screens and such. So um, I'm, I'm really liking what we're seeing from Dylan Reynolds right now. And like you said, even early on, he was asked to do much, probably much more than he, you know, expected, you know, with the defense. 
on ball play at times. Um, of course, no one could have guessed that, you know, Larry Nance and Kevin Love would be out with injuries. Torian Prince at times too. So maybe he's had to play more than he's expected. But either way, I'm not really concerned with his play. I feel like, you know, as the season progresses, we'll start to see more and more of this that we've seen from Dylan Windler. I think we also have to talk about Jared Allen here. Uh, had a monster game tonight uh, against Atlanta. Had another fine game. Uh, 13 points, 14 rebounds, 4 blocks. Uh, tonight came in, again, just 26 points, 18 rebounds, another 4 blocks. He's Again, the, the Cavs were a little bit soft in the paint tonight, and part of that was on him, I think. Uh, and it, Part of it is, is guys like uh, uh, John Wall, who is just so quick and able to get around guys, especially on the perimeter. And I mean, John Wall is a vet, and he knows how to, to get around a, you know, a, a shot blocker like Jared Allen. I mean, he's, he's been in the league long enough to kind of learn those types of things. Um, and, and there were a couple plays as well where, you know, kind of the, the, the bulky Eric Gordon was able to get into him a little bit and push him back. Uh, I thought Justin Patton played a good game tonight, too. I like Justin Patton a lot, the new two-way player for the Rockets. But um, before we kind of get into some of the other stuff, I just want to mention that I did say right here on the show that I wanted Jared Allen to start taking the wide-open threes. Amadou, he is taking the wide open threes. He made one last game. He made one this game. Similar to Dylan Windler, now 100% from three in the past couple games. Do you like seeing Jared Allen stretch his game out, at least just in limited amounts when he when he has the opportunity to do so? Yeah, I love I love seeing just players in general. You know, um, the NBA has shifted. It's changed. You know, we know the league now. You know, two threes is very offensive orientated. So him hitting that three... At the very least, it's something that, you know, the opposing center or the opposing defender has to respect. And um, I, just, I just love an assertive player. You know, I don't, I don't like hesitations. Like we've seen, um, an example, we've seen Lamar Stevens had a wide open three-point shot, dribbled, pump faked, and, you know, pass out of it. You know, I just like to see players take that open shot and make them because, you know, it kind of catches the defense off guard. You know, when, when Jared Allen hits three, it's, you know, it's, it's an uproar and such, so. Yeah, I'm perfectly fine with Jared Allen taking those wide open threes. Um, you know, keeps the defense sort of honest. You know, I'm, I don't I mean, I'm not saying he's a sharpshooter or anything now, but it's something that maybe the defense would have to look at. You know, moving forward. And, and when you're, you're when you're 22 years old and you have the type of touch that Jared Allen has around the rim, again, and I mean we've we've said this before on here, and it's it's probably a little bit old to hear us say it at this point, but that that's the difference between Jared Allen and a guy like Andre Drummond who is one of the worst free-throw shooters of all time, is one of the worst finishing centers in the paint in the league who has decided, and who is 27 years old, not 22, you know, doesn't have as much time left in the league as Jared Allen, decided to say, yeah, I'm going to start taking these outside shots. Um, outside of the shooting, though, Dan, is there anything else that stood out to you about Jared Allen's play specifically in these last couple games? Well, I don't know. I think it's just that there hasn't. I mean, yes, we know that he's he's, he's a rim runner. Um, is a guy that can convert putbacks, but I mean, kind of to walk back a little bit. It has. He's he's been able. I mean, it's shown that he's been able to take advantage, like at times when he has smaller guys on him posted up. But it's not. It's just like quick, quick stuff. It's uh, one, maybe two dribbles, and he. he gets up a hook with either hand 
And he's been able to finish through contact, too, when guys have kind of been, like, swiping down at him, trying to get, um, rip it out. And if he can just do that and be mix in those, like, maybe two to three of those a game, maybe even that, maybe even less, but just a few of them, that just shows even more um, that he's just so efficient. And, uh, again, I, I think it's just been nice to see how he's kind of grown more comfortable with the guys and um, his, uh, again, his subtle give-and-go stuff. Uh, I, I just think has really made an impact for shooters, and um, I, I'm just really looking forward to see what he can do when, when Kevin Love is back, um, especially off the ball in that sense. Dan, I do just have one more question for you, just kind of about, and it's not just from these past couple of games, but just kind of the past couple of weeks. Are you starting to grow at all concerned about, you know, what Damien Dotson has been bringing to this team? And just, obviously the shooting still hasn't really come around. And I, th- I still think he does good things for this team when he's on the floor. But I, I think it's fair to say that he's definitely been underwhelming as of late. Are you concerned at all about his play in, in the in the past couple of weeks? Yeah, it's it's not, not looking great right now. I mean, defensively, I, I still like what he brings. I think that is kind of more so what he's been doing. Um, and he, he showed that in the Knicks, uh, especially on the ball. But, yeah, the shot, I, I just – I don't really know exactly what it, what the deal is because when he has had regular rotation minutes previously, it's – I mean, he's, he's been able to get get things done. And, um, I don't know, it's – at times it seems like they're – he's a little bit off-kilter on ball when he has had the chances – and it's almost like when the spacing has been better, he's, he's, it's gone by the wayside. I don't know what the deal is there. I mean, I, it's got to have been just, um, kind of an adjustment to, and it, it seemed like he had better, uh, chemistry with like JaVale McGee earlier on. We haven't really seen that in play as much. Um, I, I just think they need to get him, uh, just find a way to get him some, shots via cuts because he can can finish inside well in that way um it, it's it seems like they've been able to utilize him off movement i i i feel like they've been able to get him better looks actually in the last few weeks um i, I it's just it just seems like he's in a rut to me i don't know exactly what the deal is because he's he's a a very good shooter um and doesn't necessarily hasn't necessarily had to have his feet set previously. Uh, I it's I I don't know. It's just something honestly I don't have an answer to right now. Yeah, I mean he's he's at twenty eight percent from three on the season. Um, coming off of years where he shot thirty seven, thirty six, and like it, it is. It's not. I think you know you were able to defend him earlier in the season because again he was playing in a role that wasn't really a role that he was necessarily used to playing and maybe wasn't as comfortable playing. And like I said, I think, you know, Damian Dotson has provided value throughout this season. I don't think he's exactly what we would expect that he might be, but he has done good things for this team this season. I don't think that that can be denied. But it is also troubling now that as he's kind of returning to more of a support role and not a, a primary facilitator role, uh, that he is still continuing to miss open looks. And at this point, it is good open even you know catch and shoot off dribble you know whatever whatever he chooses looks 
that are just not falling for him, and it is, it's starting to grow slightly concerning. Hey everyone, the NBA season is underway, and there is no better way to celebrate than with Thrive Fantasy, the daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in each sport. All you have to do is pick five out of the ten player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point of total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a portion of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and will be awarding thousands more this NBA season. So download the Thrive Fantasy app today or visit thrivefantasy.com to get started. Use the promo code KLOVE, that's K-L-O-V-E, like Kevin Love, when you sign up and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and prop up today. I'm going to do anything else that you've seen from, from Damian Dotson and just, do, do, do you think he can break out of this slump? Do you think it will happen or is, I, I'm just, I'm not sure exactly what has happened here as far mm-hmm. as his shooting. Yeah, this slump has been interesting because like you said, I mean, you know, early in the season, it was, he was, you know, the main, you know, facilitator for the team. So it was an interesting role for him. But now, you know, the Cavaliers have done a better job with staggering, you know, Garland and Sexton. They're playing more and more alongside Dotson. So Dotson is taking on that off-ball type of role. And he's, you know, his numbers haven't, you know, increased. You know, they're they're still, you know, pretty bad for a guy of his caliber. Um, do I believe he could get out the slump? Yes. I think shooters, you know, go in and out of slumps all the time. Um, but I think the question is when, you know, will he get out of the slump? Hopefully, you know, for our sake, the Cavs' sake, it's soon. But, um, you know, um just i'm just not really sure what, what what the issue is with him it's definitely weird like i said i, I just and i'm i'm with you i think at some point i mean I, I still think there's a very good chance that he's you know gets his contract picked up next season you know he's only making two million you, you just you have to hope and you have to believe that you know he can he can get it turned around but it's it's definitely growing concerning that it has lasted as long as it has i think it, it's it's completely fair to have those concerns uh, before we kind of move on to some other stuff, do either of you have anybody else that is, has standed out to, or standed out to you, stood out to you in these past couple of games? Uh, I, I know you know Sexton and Garland are kind of doing their thing. I think we've we've pretty much talked about them. Yeah. Is there anyone else? Um, I want to talk about Isaac Curl really quickly. I just feel like it's looking like his confidence is getting you know more and more. And, you know, he's taking a lot more threes, and I love to see that. Um. You know, early in the season, we've seen him a lot of times be real hesitant, you know, to shoot that three. In the first, I think it was the first preseason game against the Pacers, he had like four turnovers just off, you know, pump faking a three and trying to drive to the rim. So, looks like he's not really past that stage, but, you know, he's, you know, he's getting there. Um, he had one game, I think. I, what game was it? I'm not too sure. I think he took 11 threes, though. Yeah, four, um, he went four for 11. Yeah, it was the game 11. before Atlanta, whoever we played. Yeah. Um, that's just nice to see. One thing that I think is something that should be talked about is his his ball handling kind of um he loses the ball a lot you know we see it a lot i don't know why but he he just does i feel like that's a point that of emphasis that he should look to you know improve you know whether it be throughout the season in the offseason whatever but um i'm i'm pretty impressed with um Isaac Coro's play over these last couple of games yeah and i agree with you that i think he's just it's good to see him kind of work through his struggles instead of, like you said, mm-hmm. going for the pump fake and driving to the yeah. rim every time when the, the lanes just aren't really there. 
Um, took only two in the, in the Atlanta game. Uh, took two tonight. But again, has, has been three for four in this past couple. And, and he's finishing inside the arc, too. And I think, you know, he's... As the season goes on, you know, he has continued to get better. You know, just, just finishing. Obviously, I, when I say that, I'll, I'll just I'll say this. Everybody was bad except for Jared Allen and maybe one other guy per game during the 10-game streak. Everybody sucked. Like, I don't even know if you can take that as, like, evidence and proof of, you know, guys. Everybody was bad. When I say that, you know, as of late, you know, they're, they're, they're improving. Yes, he had a troubling, a, a troubling stretch. Everybody did. Um, and I'm not saying that we're completely past that, but... I think people were overreacting a little bit and that's, that's fair. You know, I mean, it it was, it was an ugly stretch, but I think that people were reading a little bit too much into that. Um, One thing I do just want to say, and I've I've said this before, just about Isaac, um, his his decision-making even at the rim sometimes, I think, you know, for as much as he does kind of go for the, the pump fake and drive in on, on those three point attempts or, you know, potential three point attempts, he doesn't get to the line as much as I would like for him to. Uh, in, the, in the past couple of games, he shot one free throw. Um, I feel like he, so he does just kind of uh, he shies away from contact sometimes. Uh, you know, he he'll have a chance to go in and drive into the rim. Uh, you know, say he's on the right side of the basket, uh, and there's a defender there. Instead of kind of trying to draw the contact and maybe go through it and you know finish with an and one, which he did have an and one, you know, last game. But I feel like you know a lot of times he'll try to kind of finish on the opposite side of the rim, and that you know, happens with mixed results. I mean, I'm not going to say that he's never made it because he has, but I'd like to just see him instead of kind of trying to finish around guys, finish through them, or at the very least, just draw that contact because I definitely feel like he's strong enough to get, to get through that in a way that a guy like, you know, maybe a Darius Garland doesn't and where, you know, we're fine with him taking those floaters. But I I think I I would like to see Isaac Coro get a little bit more aggressive on those drives and just be willing to kind of go into the bodies guys a little bit more. Um, Dan, you have anything to say about Isaac? Yeah, I just think the uh, Amadou alluded to it. Um, yeah, the handle is, is has been limited. Um, it seems like lately it's really been hampered or has hampered him. Um, but yeah, it would be nice to see him pull more from the corner because that's where he's been actually efficient um, this year. Because um, opportunities have been there, but I, I just think the key with him. Um, a key point of emphasis for him is is the pull up game. He has next to no pull up ability at all, um, and I agree with you. I'd like to see him finish kind of through guys a little bit. You assert his will there in that sense, kind of actually how like Lamar Stevens does. Um, it's actually but, not a terrible comparison or a terrible guy to look at. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I just think with him, he's had some offensive foul issues at times, or at least did early on, I think maybe that's kind of an adjustment in that, in that way with him. Um, because in college, I mean, he had pretty healthy free throw clip. I think he had like, had like a little under five a game, um, attempts. So I'm not that concerned about it. I just think it's, it's kind of a, maybe like a film study thing at at the all-star break. He can kind of, um, reflect on that and, and that can be, something for him but again i just think with him it's the key point of this offensively is is got to be that pull-up game he, and i understand that um 
we're not gonna. He's had some setback threes, like on a, on occasion, but he's shown those flashes. But it's yeah. not there. Yeah, it's just like in the mid range. I know people don't love guys taking mid range shots, but you got to have it a little bit at the three in this league. Um, and I just think that's something that he'll he'll have to work on. And I think that you know, well, obviously those are fair criticisms. Um, especially again, it would be nice if he had that ability on the the pump fake drives. But um, that's all stuff that I don't think you can be concerned about because it is so fixable. The handle is – I mean, it's, it, there's a very you know clear and easy way for him to improve his handle as his career progresses. I mean, that's something that an offseason or two can increase improve dramatically. So uh, it, I like what I'm seeing from Isaac. Um, I've seen some people already again – you know, and, and part of it was the, the losing streak – already suggesting that this was not a good pick or whatever, but I, I am very happy with what I've seen from Isaac Okoro. I continue to be, we're seeing all the right things, um, things that we're seeing that we don't like as much are fixable. That's really, that's what I have to say about Isaac right now. Um, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm sick of the people with the low-hanging fruit stuff with Tyrese Halliburton. It's, I mean, he... I don't know, they they it's been really I mean he's played really really well but people don't understand that are that are saying the splits he's been playing against bench players a hell of a lot like that that's a lot different put him in De'Aaron Fox's shoes it's a different story like the guy yeah. does does not have a pull up like if you're a if you're a starting one and don't have a pull up don't tell me that that guy's going to have the same close to the same numbers that he's having. Like it's a completely different complexion. Like he'd have, honestly, I think he'd have a worse year, frankly, as a full-time starter out West than Darius Garland had last year. That I, I, it's just like, they're glossing over that fact. And like to his credit, Tyrus Halliburton has been great. Um, and I think <clears throat> having a guy like De'Aaron Fox is almost a perfect situation for him because yeah. De'Aaron can kind of take on that primary creator role. Um, you know, he, I mean, he has kind of that little sidestep in the corner as far as you know getting threes off. But yeah, the the, the creation as far as it takes as, him a long time to get his shot. It, it off, does though. take him a I long mean, time a to really load up as time. well. It, it, he yeah, um, and that's that that is very true. Um, very limited athlete too. Yeah, I mean, at the one like. I mean, let's face it. He's a one. Like the guy needs the ball. I, I, I would. Does he need the ball? I yeah. think he's. Well, the, he's the key with him, fine he's, as an off-ball guard. He's a really good. He's a really good passer, though. Like it, it he does, is a very it, good passer. It does limit what he does. Like to me, they're going to have to move him at some point. They're going to have to do what? I, I personally think they're going to have to move him eventually. Either one of wow. him or Fox, because. You're just can't I, it, like when they actually want to be good, they're gonna have to make a decision at some point. That's a take. I think, like I said, I think that well, they, Deer they, and Fox is be, practically like the best guy that you could put next to him. Yeah, well, that's just my take. On we it. can agree to disagree, but yeah, I guess sure. I mean they have to move Buddy Heald somehow. Somewhere. They have to move Buddy Heald, and that's yeah, that's that's the been, big problem there. He's been a joke since that extension. It the shooting numbers have not been good, but um, we'll move on here. We got a transaction to talk about. Uh, actually, a couple of technically. The Cavaliers have signed Broderick Thomas to a two-way contract. Uh, they waived Marquise Bolden, who has hardly even been with the team this year. Uh, like I said, I admittedly have not been watching a ton of Canton Charge basketball. 
But um, so I, I couldn't tell you how he's been playing down there. But obviously, they just didn't, you know, see enough from him. And it is kind of disappointing because he just, I mean, even when he, it's been the kind of the case for the past couple of years where, you know, it seemed like, you know, maybe he had a chance to make the roster, didn't. Uh, this year he makes the roster, but just still really never gets an opportunity to prove himself. Uh, even, you know, through the bout of injuries that we had, uh, there were still, you know, JaVale and Andre and whoever else to play the center spot. So he just never really got that opportunity this year. Um Anyway, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what happens next for Marquise Bolden, but uh, best of luck to him. But let's talk about Broderick Thomas a little bit. Uh, 24-year-old kind of combo guard, uh, 6'5", so has good size at that position. He was with the Houston Rockets at the beginning of the season on a two-way contract with them. Uh, they've kind of struggled with big man depth, so they decided to go in a different direction. Uh, they were with Ray Spaulding at first. Now that's Justin Patton after I believe Ray Spaulding got hurt as well. But anyway, uh, he was playing with Rio Grande, the Rio Grande Vipers of the G League, uh, backcourt partner of Kevin Porter Jr. on that team. Um, they're still figuring out whether he's going to play with the Canton Charge or the Cavs to start. Um, you know, maybe by the time this goes up, they'll have that decision made. We'll just have to see. But uh, Amadou, I'll start with you on this one. How did you like the signing? Uh, do you know much about Broderick Thomas? Do you know, do do you like? His game, do you know that much about it? Um, I don't know much about his game, but um, from what I've heard, you know, he's a nice combo guard with, you know, some real facilitating abilities. Um, he has a great shot. You know, he shot a career of 40.5% from three. Like you said, he's 6'5", so he can play that one or two position. Um, I just like them adding depth at that guard position. Um, we've been talking about this uh, for a while now, how the backup point guard position or the back, backup guard positions in general, you know, concerning that Damian Dawson hasn't been playing well. It has been kind of kind of bleak, so um, you like them trying to bring in players to, you know, kind of fix that. Obviously, we don't know what's going on with Matthew Deladova as well, but, I mean, I like it. Like you said, Marquise Bolden, um, I haven't personally either watched many uh, Ken Charge games myself, but he, he just didn't do much for us anyway, so I, I like the signing. I really do. They're, just, they're taking a chance on a young player who, um, was actually lining it up in the uh, the G League. Yeah, uh, a, a really good athlete, uh, good shooter as well. I think he has pretty solid passing vision as, as well. Um, anyone who's watched him a lot will tell you that he's just a really, really high IQ player. Um, Dan, what do you think of this signing? Yeah, it's it's one where, it's, I mean, it's a little bit of a shot in the dark, but what the hell. Um, a guy that has really looked good alongside Kevin Porter. Um, with those Vipers, uh, yeah, he's, he's six, five, um, kind of a, kind of a hybrid one, two, I think honestly is more of a two, uh, but a guy that does have some pick and roll polish, um, on the balls is a scorer, which in this league, I mean, you can never really have enough of those kind of guys, um, at least a guy with that sort of potential. And it's he has a high release point on his shot, gets gets a lot of lift. Um, I, th- I think he plays at a good pace um, for a guy, honestly, that was very unheralded. Uh, was a D two guy, but I think he's he's kind of has kind of has some dog in him a little bit. Um, yeah, as you said, uh, a guy that is definitely, I mean, had D one. I mean, clear athleticism. I mean, has has some above the rim finishing ability. Um, I would say, honestly, slender build, but um, really is a heady player. Um, and defensively, I, I don't know exactly what he's going to 
fit in as, but I'm a little bit concerned that they'd actually kind of throw him at their, in there at the three, which I don't really want to see, but um, it's, I get where they're coming from. And again, Marquis Spolin, it's um, just wasn't really able to contribute this year, but um, wish him the best of luck. Yeah, I think I, I I haven't watched a ton of Roderick Thomas, but in what I have seen, you know, the athleticism is clear. Uh, he was uh, over, I mean, it, it was D2 ball, but uh, it was an over 40% three-point shooter in college. Um, so you, 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 you know that he, that he has that touch and he can, he can do it. Um, overall, I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, I, I'm with you. I don't want to see him in three guard lineups really, especially, I mean, this team has enough forwards to play. I just don't see that being necessary. I think, I, I personally don't expect to see it. I think we have enough position at the one and two spots as far as backup spots go. But, uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a shot in the dark, but what the hell is a pretty, a good way to sum it up. Um, it's almost it's almost like he could I don't know, it's I don't know, from what I've read and kinda I don't know, just kind of stuff vaguely throughout, kind of almost seems like where the system he played in it was I mean, yeah, he was more on ball than say Dylan Windler, but um just I mean if the Cavs were able to incorporate more movement, I mean going forward he might be a guy that could flourish in that sort of thing. Or in that sort of style, but I honestly think, like, with Delhi, for example, if he's able to play in spurts a little bit with him, it could be a guy that could really kind of maximize him to be able to shoot off movement as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, looking at him getting waived by Houston, I don't think that that was by any means because Roger Thomas wasn't somebody that they liked. No. Uh, it was just a dire need for a playable center. Obviously, with Christian Wood out, uh, with... With now DeMarcus Cousins parting as well, uh, it leaves them limited at that position. Uh, and they obviously weren't going to cut Mason Jones. He's been fantastic for him this season. So that alone just tells you that, you know, it's not like, you know, they cut Broderick Thomas because he disappointed in whatever way. This is a guy who, it, I, I like it. I think it's a nice little, it, obviously extremely low risk and moderate upside reward. Or maybe so, they just signed him for a scouting report in this past game. Or that, you know, and hey, that that's something. That's something. Yeah, damn right. It worked. It worked. So, yeah, either way, I like it. Um, let's get into some trade talk. We have some more news regarding Andre Drummond trades. Uh, the Knicks, in particular, uh, reports are coming from... I believe it was on the, it was the New York Post. I have seen it on Real GM too. Um, the Knicks are analyzing uh, potential Andre Drummond trades. It seems like they at least do have interest in that, which is a good sign because I think that they very very easily have the pieces to make it work if they want to pull the trigger. I think the Derrick Rose trade has signaled that yeah they're kind of trying to not go all in right now, and I don't think Andre Drummond necessarily has to be an all in move. He's an expiring guy, and like I said, I don't think they'd be giving up any key future pieces to even get him. Uh, just some some little nice pieces around the sides, um, you know, Frank Nielkeen in particular, Kevin Knox, guys like that. Um, I don't know. It seems like I'm gonna do. It seems like the Knicks are like a very, very, very realistic possibility at this point in time. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Yes, I would definitely agree. Like you said, and personally, um, I do think that the Knicks are probably the most likely destination, just because the moves they've made and how they've played this year just signals that they want to make a run at the playoffs. And 
you know, you don't have to give up major pieces. I mean, Frank Nilekina, I think, is probably the most logical piece to give up. And they already have Emmanuel Quickly, who's been playing extremely well. They just traded for Derrick Rose. So I don't think his presence would be missed too much. Um, it's definitely something that I feel like is brewing. Yeah, and I think, you know, that that's definitely one. But we have also seen, I also wanted to just mention, uh, the Dallas Mavericks, who are the team that we've kind of been talking about here for a while. Uh, Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report has reported that the Dallas Mavericks are looking to pair Porzingis with another center on the floor and have had their eyes on Andre Drummond. Uh, you know, and, and kind of some of the talk in the past about just in, in general, and this was no, oh, this is really sourced. It's just people speculating, but saying that well, you need to play Pristops Porzingis at center. Um, he's not really mobile enough at this point to guard fours. You know, I mean injuries and guard on the perimeter, and it just hasn't worked well for him. And you know, in in respect to those takes. Kristaps Porzingis is not moving in the way that he did pre all of these injuries. He is looking slow right now, and it is concerning. Um, but if the Mavericks do want to pair him with a center, um, which again, I, guess, I think the case there is just to kind of have him take less of a toll on his body uh, and you know help keep him healthy. I think Andre Drummond would help that in being able to take those bigger assignments. Um, Dan, between the two teams, obviously both of them. Uh, having interest, which one would you say is more likely at this point? Yeah, I think it's the Knicks all the way. Um, just because they have that 15 million cap space, um, it, it just seems too good to be, or I, I, not too good to be true, um, just too sensible at this point. It seems to make too much sense. Uh, also, there's the kind of Drummond uh, upbringing connection there. Um, Grew up mostly in Connecticut, but uh, I, I just think it's Mark Berman also reported that it's Drummond would consider that potential landing spot to be a good one. Uh, I, I just think, yeah, you, you bring back um, Damrell suggested basically Knox, Noel, Nilakina, and like a two. Um, I, I I would be all for that. Um, basically. I don't know. Maybe I would really like to see him do that and then allow Neil Aquina to um, be like a guy that can be a point of attack defender for you in, in reserve minutes. And I, I just think he'd be really a stopper asset to be able to have. Um, then you can bring him back. Seem like basically like via minimum deal in the offseason. I just think it's a good. Um, kind of a reclamation project to take on um, Kevin Knox. Eh, but at least he's it's a flash. Some, yeah. yeah it's a a and he looks like a real sure. shooter at this point, at yeah. least as well. Yeah, he could be. Um, and yeah, I just think it's a mate. Well, I guess maybe playable wing. That might be a stretch, but it's at that point. I mean, we're, given what they gave to the Pistons for Andre Drummond, which was, a little bit more than a little Caesar's pizza, maybe not even that. I just that just seems like a really logical move. And with the Mavs, I, there's the only asset I, I think they would that you'd be really getting back of value is Josh Green, and I, I don't know if that were would be the case. But um, I mean, aside from that, it'd just be guys that honestly I would really not want playing. They do have one tradable first round pick in 2027. They could give that up as well. Yeah, I, I just, I don't even know, 
I, I don't really know if the Mavs want to give up even that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I could yeah, be wrong. Uh, of course, I could be wrong, but it's just his Andre draw. I mean, I guess he, he the production has raw production has been there, but the lack of efficiency it just seems like has really just shown. Yeah, that's fair. We got to talk about it. We the, the 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 reports and rumors are out there. We got to mention it. Amadou, there have been suggestions that the Mavericks are at least open to the idea and are sniffing around for Kristaps Porzingis trades. Should the Cavaliers trade for Kristaps Porzingis? Man, that's a tough Somebody one. who tough is one. making a max contract right now uh, has mm-hmm. been dealing with many, many injuries. He's making 29 and a half this year. 31 and a half next year, almost 34 after that with a $36 million player option to top it off. I don't know if he's going to be able to make it that long with the Raiders getting out injured now, but who oh boy, it pays off if he does. Yes, this is a high risk, potentially high reward type of situation, but I don't know. You could, you could say maybe the, the risk outweighs the reward. I mean, so is the reward big. The, that reward is oh, big. Yeah. Oof, that that's a big reward. But you're talking about a guy who's never played more than 75 games in a season. Was a one-time All Star, but since his All Star season has torn his ACL, um, I think last year that put him out for the playoffs was a meniscus tears. Meniscus tear, and for a guy who's He's seven dealing foot with back three, issues right now, back issues. That's that's tough. That's extremely tough. Um, luckily for him, his game isn't you know, you know, so focused on his athleticism. But we've seen just how much this you know this this injury has deteriorated that part of his game. Um, personally, I don't know. I, I think I think I'd personally have to pass on this one. I think you know I like Kristaps as a player. You know he's very very talented, but man, you're talking that long of a contract for a player who has major injury concerns i just i just i don't know i don't i don't know if i could do that i'm just out here dreaming of a healthy garland sexton okoro porzingis jared allen lineup uh again obviously the the injuries are just such a concern and the way he's looked this year is a, a red flag in my opinion um just because I guess you know the cases and I don't know how the Mavericks are valuing him right now probably more highly than other teams just because they wouldn't want to just give him up for nothing but I don't I I can't imagine his value going down much more unless the injuries just really completely derail him which Mm -hmm. hopefully doesn't happen yeah but I mean first first season back from that meniscus injury obviously it's going to take him some time to you know get back to what he was before but you know even then, it's, it's it's a very very big risk. Dan, are the Cavs going to do it? Should we should we get the the Kristaps trade machine to the Cavs fired up here? Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing with you um, of that lineup, but um, ugh, it's considering. I would think you'd have to give up our our one this next year, um, or. I guess, or maybe the 2022, which are both good draft, like very good drafts. 
uh, I just I don't see it given the injury issues. It could be another Kevin Love situation. Um, and I, I'm not honestly very high on myself. Um, just given the defensive issues, um, and considering that he turned down reportedly a ninety plus million dollar extension, um, but if it would, well, he's make already more been f- extended. No, no, no. I, I'm, I was just going to say, as a comparison, I, I would rather them make a, a splash for John Collins via like okay. sign and trade. Okay. Um, if if that like as that is an alternative, but uh, even that, I, I would rather not do. I'm not as high on John Collins as other people are, considering he's played with Trey Young this entire time, which is going to juice your stats up. Um, and playing in a fast paced offense and on a team that can't defend at all. Uh. But yeah, like as a counter, that would be mine. I, I guess is something somewhat comparable. But yeah, with with Crips with KP, I, I'm I actually think he's kind of been almost marginalized in a way. Just I mean, given that he's an elite shooter for a big, um, since like earlier on before the injury started piling up, I mean, he was getting flying around, getting putbacks. The defensive rim protection was more. It seemed like felt, um seemed to be able to switch out more, even though he couldn't really guard fives, but uh, we don't see that anymore. And I don't know if honestly that version of him will ever be the case again. And I don't know. I mean, he's, he's almost turned, it's almost been like a a love kind of situation where he's been kind of marginalized in a way. And I mean, there's some mid post stuff, mainly him just shooting over guys, which is fine. But yeah, I, I don't know why if, if you're a team like the Cavs, for example, um, I, I wouldn't do that move. If I'm the Celtics, maybe, I would more so consider it just because they're just all kinds of screwed up right now. The Celtics are, yeah. I think, I mean, we don't need to make and this. And Danny Ainge will never cash in on picks anyway, so, I mean, you got to do something at some point. Yeah. <laughs> but, um,. Yeah, I, I I don't think the Cavaliers end up doing it, especially now that the asking price is the twenty twenty one first. Um, that that's just not worth you'd it. You'd have to think that that's what they're looking for, is it not? I I don't think it would be the twenty twenty one first. I don't think at least by like, the twenty. If you're telling me that latest. you could get like, oh sure, yeah, but I think like looking at this year's picks when it's right in front of you that this yeah. is a pick that could turn into one of these top five guys. Which yeah. could end up very easily being better than Kristaps Porzingis, at least you know, especially right now with the injuries that he's dealing with. Well, yeah, and what he was what a, a top, what was he like number four, right? Yeah, he was number four. Yeah, yeah the fourth pick. But yeah, I I don't see I, the Cavaliers would not give that up for Kristaps. Um, I think like what yeah the twenty twenty two or twenty twenty three you could you know make more of a case. But I, I'd still, just at the end of the day, I can't see the Mavericks' asking price being what other teams are willing to give up right now. I understand them kind of just taking, you know, temperature of the market, uh, but I don't think anything will end up happening. And I think the, the Mavericks are really, really just kind of hoping. I think the, the best move is for them to just kind of hope that this works out right now between Luca and Kristaps. I, I still think, you know, the upside is there. And, you know, as, as he kind of works his way back into shape, you know, this, this is just a weird season in general. Um, moving forward, there's still a very strong chance that he ends up being just fine and that the Mavericks, you know, end up getting maybe not quite, you know, the, the, the guy that we thought he might be at one point. 
but still an all-star all-star level guy. I think that you know there's a very real world where he, he still becomes that. <sighs> let's talk a little bit about the Javale. We've talked about we've talked about the Andre Drummond stuff. Uh, let's talk a little about the Javale stuff. The Nets, who for the longest time were the team that we thought that Javale McGee made the most sense for. I uh, have, you know, gone through a million different changes. Uh, originally, it was Norvell Pell signing there that kind of turned us off the idea. Uh, then they waived Norvell Pell. Then they signed Noah Vonley. They've also signed Iman Schumpert. They've signed Andre Roberson. They've waived all of those guys. Uh, they're saying that they're, they're looking to bring back Andre Roberson and Iman Schumpert. Apparently, Noah Vonley is not coming back. Um, we'll get to Norvell Pell in a minute, but he's not coming back either. Uh, it seems like... Brooklyn is back in the race for the potential JaVale McGee team right now, assuming that JaVale McGee gets moved. I still think it just makes so much sense for them. I think that JaVale is exactly the type of the player that they need, um, at least as far as you know, guys that are attainable for him, assuming that Drummond isn't getting bought out. Um, I just think it makes too much sense. Uh, the Heat are another team. Uh, they finally got their disabled player exception for Myers Leonard. Uh, we've already talked about, you know, the possibilities there. Um, I just think it, it's official now that they actually have that exception in particular. Um, Amadou, do you think that the Nets are looking like a legit JaVale McGee destination again? Yeah, 100%. I, I Even with the Norval Pell signing, I thought, you know, that'd still be a destination for him. I just thought that was a signing. Just, just a body. That, that's what I thought, you know, at that point. But, I mean, like we talked about, you know, all the time in this spot, it just makes so much sense. You know, you have second round picks that you can flip for veteran players. And I feel like, you know, that's what the Knights are going to do. Maybe, you know, they'll do that as well as wait to see, you know, what what the bio market looks as well. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like that's it's, it's really likely. Now, this may be a hot take, but I feel like the Heat now are a more likely destination for JaVale McGee than the Nets are. I don't think that's a hot take. I think that they both make 100% sense. Again, a team that needs a backup center, I would say. Uh, you know, Precious Achua is kind of doing it, you know, but that's not the guy that you want there long term. You have a guy like Kelly Olenek who can play there in spurts, but they, they don't really have a true five on the roster to back up Bam Adebayo. Uh, I think that that makes complete sense. Dan, between the two teams, which one do you like more right now? Yeah, I'm with Amadou. I think it's the Heat. Um, yeah, I just think it's a guy that can uh, – they just need a guy, yeah, to help Bam. And I think in some lineups they could have Bam with him. I think it's just a guy that I think does move well for a big uh, in settled offense. Um, could use, frankly, some more structure in that sense. But um, they do some things that are – uh, similar to what the Warriors do in, in that way with fives, obviously when the Warriors have fives available. And um, I, I just think it's kind of a tailor-made um, setting almost, also from kind of like a culture standpoint. Um, seems to be bought into working hard at this point. Not that the Nets aren't, but um, I, I just think it's, it's more of a situation where just seems like from a prior championship experience type guy, I just think it's it's more so them to me. I, I think that uh, both places make complete sense, but I think 
As far as just an, an on-court fit, I think that you could make the argument that maybe Miami makes more sense. Um, we'll just have to end up saying if either of them even do it. We don't obviously know. Uh, since basically we have a segment of Norvell Pell Watch on every episode anymore, uh, we'll, we'll go on Norvell Pell Watch real quick. Uh, obviously, he started well before the season. He was with the Canton Charge. Uh, before he even played a game there, he signed with the Nets. Uh, that kind of threw a wrench in things as far as our talks with JaVale McGee trades and whatever nonsense. Uh, he was waived by the Nets. He came back to the Canton Charge. Um, had rumored interest from everyone. Uh, again, just looking like he was going to screw up whatever you know trade is going to happen with JaVale or Andre. Norvell Pell has just been a thorn in our side. Uh, now he was, like I said, he was back with the uh, back with the charge, and then all of a sudden now he's signing a ten day contract with the Kings. Um, I, I don't know if he'll stick there, but Norvell Pell just just don't don't mess up an Andre Drummond trade for us. Don't mess up a Javale McGee trade. Just just go somewhere that st- stay on the Kings. Stay on the Kings. That's fine. Come back to the charge. Um, be ready for a call up if the Cavs need you. But just don't mess this up for us, Norvell Pell. You're, you just can't do it. You've you've been. I, I don't know why we need to keep talking about Norvell Pell. Let's just move on. Go to the Jack Jumpers. <laughs> Go to the Jack Jumpers, <laughs> oh, Norvell yeah. Pell. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. They, they need combined to forces the with Delhi. Hey, mm-hmm. Dover to Norvell Pell lobs would be pretty fun in that league. But mm-hmm. um, let's talk a little bit about All Stars, guys. Um. Obviously, all the all-star voting is out now. Uh, starters were revealed a while ago. Reserves are now released. Uh, as we expected, there are no Cavaliers on this list. Uh, Colin Sexton was the only Cavalier that ever really had a real case. We we got the uh, we got the the Andre Drummond train going at the beginning of the season that quickly faded. Um, Colin Sexton had a legitimate case there for a minute, uh, and obviously regressed quite a bit. And the team also fell off the face of the earth over the course of 10 games. So no real surprises here from the Cavaliers. And would, would you both agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Like you said, um, Colin Sexton just came back down to earth. I mean, he had a very hot start to the season and so did the Cavaliers. Um, all that has, you know, sort of leveled itself out now, but you know, all in all though, I would say this is still a great experience, you know, heading into next year. I mean, the Cavs haven't had a guy, you know, in all-star talks since, obviously, LeBron James. Um, but even even go before that, you know, previous to LeBron and Kyrie, I think the last all-star before them was Mo Williams, if I'm, if I'm correct. Or, or Kevin Love, too. But besides that, the big yeah. era, yeah, Mo Williams. Oh, so it's definitely a treat to see. Um, I feel like next year will be his, his real shot, you know, to making that all-star game. But, you know, nonetheless, you know, that period where the voting – and such it was, it was it was very exciting Dan are you shocked to see that Colin Sexton didn't make the team are you shocked that Andre Drummond didn't get in there um no just did to what Amity said that's fair uh just in general did was there anyone else that you guys thought uh that you were surprised to not see make it um obviously I'm not going to use the word snubbed. We're not going to use the word snubbed here because nobody got snubbed. Everybody that deserved to make it made it. Um, well, no, I, I can't say that. But everybody who did make it deserved to make it. Uh, there were more deserving guys. Uh, I don't think that the rosters are big enough. I will say this. 
It's funny to me that teams, normal teams, can dress 14 players for a game, but you can only have 12 people on an all-star roster. I don't see that there being any reason not to add two more roster spots and give them to guys who clearly deserve it. I think, you know, if just looking at it out east, um, Trey Young didn't make it. Uh, Chris Middleton didn't make it. I was shocked to see that Chris Middleton get, get on the team. You have guys like Jimmy Butler, DeMontis Sabonis, and the list goes on. Um, out west, obviously, Devin Booker was an injury replacement, but you know he didn't make the original team. You have other guys. Mike Conley didn't make the team. Uh, you could make a case for DeMar DeRozan. He's played great this year. Um, overall, was there anybody that surprised you to get left off, Amadou? Yeah, like you said, I don't think anybody. I mean, personally, I don't think anybody surprised me. You know, there were some talks about maybe Trey Young over Benson, but I feel like it was fair for Ben to make that considering this is either one seed. Personally, out east, I believe maybe Sabonis should have made it over Vucevic just because, you know, Vucevic, he's having, you know, a fantastic season, a career season, but the Magic are, I believe, the second or third worst team in the Eastern Conference as to where the Pacers are, you know, in the hunt for the playoffs. Um, and uh, Sabonis is still putting up his usual, you know, like 21 and 10, four to five assists. So I feel like that was definitely one that, Maybe maybe Sabonis deserved it over him, but besides that, um, personally, out west, I don't I don't think uh, Booker should have been an, an injury replacement. I feel like he should have just made the All Star team, you know, at that. But then again, you know, you have to boot somebody off. You could say his teammate Chris Paul, but you know, I, I, don't I think know. Chris I mean, Paul's been better. All-Star. Yeah, you you could say he you know he's been more important to that team, but they both made it, so I mean, it's no no complaints there. Uh, at no the complaints end of the day. Okay. You don't look at who – when you look at, you know, the amount of times Scott is made an all-star team, you don't look at, mm-hmm. you know, a three-time all-star, but one of them was as an injury yeah, replacement. You look exactly. at it as a three-time all-star. It's, it's no yeah. different at the end of the day. So, um, like I said, the only guy that I thought, like, genuinely, like, I was surprised to see did not make it was Chris Middleton. I thought he should have been in there. I think he's just – he's had too good of a year. I mean, the Bucks have been up and down, but overall they've been a good team still – uh, Dan, any, any surprises here to you? Yeah, I'm with Amadou. I think, yeah, Delmas has, has been outstanding. Um, really established himself as, as one of the best, really kind of really solidified himself as one of the best passing bigs in the league, too. Um, he's, he's been outstanding. Um, but I, I understand, like, they're, it's out west, it's, it's loaded regardless. Um, but, is is Mike Conley like what? What does he have to do to get in the All Star game? I mean, this is getting ridiculous at this point. And and he was right to kind of almost kind of campaign for himself. Um, the the Jazz are what the best team in the league record wise. Um, I could be a little bit off there, but I, I think they're the ones seed out west still. The, yeah, I, I believe they are still. I think they have the best best. Well, they I, have I the believe they have the best basketball. record in the league. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah and I mean he's he's been back. Obviously, last year I don't know I, that just was just couldn't get it going. But transition year, yeah, and I just think he was right to campaign for himself. And Mike Conley is not a guy that is is that kind of dude. But that that was one that really stuck out to me a little bit. Yeah, um, just like Justin said, I mean, if this All Star game was made to fourteen players, I feel like Mike Conley would be a a five six time All Star by now. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, the Jazz are 25-6. and six. Uh, They are the number one team in the league. 
the the Jazz are uh, I mean the Sixers are twenty one and eleven. That's best for first in the East. The the Clippers are the closest at twenty three and ten. So yeah, the the Clippers or the the Jazz rather have a, I have a comfortable hold on that first record in the in the league right now. Um, and like I said, I'm not going to say that Mike Conley got snubbed because everybody who made the turn made the team deserves to be there. But uh, you know, I mean, some yeah. guys maybe aren't so happy to be sitting out. Go ahead and sit out. Let Mike Conley come in as an all-star replacement. I just want to see it. I think he's earned it. But um, I guess the one more thing I have before we get out of here, guys, uh, I don't really have too many takes on it. But the second half of the schedule has been revealed. Uh, the Cavaliers are going to play more games so they can go look at it if you want to. Um, anything that stood out in the schedule to you guys? Nothing um, really there for me. Yeah. No, nothing really there for me. No one TNT games, right? I was going to say, that was the one thing I was going to say, is that the Cavaliers are going to go the entire season without a game on TNT. Which, I guess, I mean, they, they fell right into the cellar of the league at the worst time. If this was decided, you know, halfway through, you know, where we're at right now, maybe they would. But um, I think after the, the, the last stretch of games, I think it's understandable. But disappointing at the same time. Um, I'm going to have to keep using... Streaming sites, I won't get to watch one Cavs game on normal TV this year, but at the end of the day, it's all right. Um, anything else from either of you before we get out of here? Um, was, I just want to say, I, f- I don't know if this is... Go ahead. You go can, ahead. You can, uh, no, no, you go ahead. Um, I don't know if this is jinxing him or whatever, but um, uh, Dylan Windler is three more made threes away from having the most consecutive three-pointers made um, in Cavaliers, or since uh, the 1996-1997 season i might have jinxed him right there but i feel like that's just you know that that'd be nice to see for him it would be nice to see and if it doesn't happen we can blame amadou <laughs> yeah y- y'all that's, can blame me that's fine yeah i was just gonna say um i was gonna say did fedor have anything to say about lamar stevens like after the gong <laughs> did he have did he was he like did he say he was like two of eight from the field but no i mean he was four or five i can't really say anything about it that's all. Yeah. I guess he could have said that he was over one from three, but uh Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's that's fair. Oh, sorry, gentlemen. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I've been liking to see uh DG is really uh he, he caught fire tonight. I mean he had that that nine point stretch right in a row. If, oh yeah. Three Does he ever shot the possessions. ball three consecutive possessions from three? I wonder if that's sure. been the case. I, I'm going to say it's not. No, I doubt in his NBA career, at least. Yeah, um, that that was uh, that was that was that something got, to see. Got me, got me going. I think Darius has been a little bit careless with the ball. I think at times uh, there's there's been some some sloppy turnovers, uh, just just lazy passes. But at the same time, there's also been some magnificent passes, which are great to see. Uh, some nice lobs. And just overall is distributing the ball very, very well. Uh, before we get out of here, he had he had a ten assist game at some point, didn't he? Yeah, he had ten assists tonight, eleven and ten. Uh, so yeah, shout out to Darius Garland. Um, with that, I think we'll get out of here. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Amadou, both for coming on. As always, uh, if you enjoyed listening, subscribe uh, so you can listen to other episodes in the future. If you're listening. On Dash Radio, the Nothing But Net Station, we are now there 
Tuesdays and Fridays on a 5 a.m. slot in the morning. Uh, so you can also listen there if you don't prefer to listen in podcast form. Uh, but as always, the podcasts are available whenever. Just subscribe and you will never miss an episode whenever you want to listen. And uh, with that, thank you so much for listening and we will see you again soon. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.